Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We are so glad you've joined us today. If you have been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks for joining us this week, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. And if you were with us last week, we started a series called Build Your Church. And these are obviously words that Jesus spoke, and we're just echoing them, but As we say, build your church, there's a responsibility that we play. And I I stressed this last week, but in case you missed it, I'll just remind you that when we say build your church, it is not necessarily brick and mortar. It's way beyond that. This is the place where we do gather as the church. But if we're gathering as the church, it is actually the people that make up church. And we, if Christ is the head... We are the body. And so build your church. You can, if you missed last week, you can follow along. But it's found in Matthew 16, 18. And this, I'm going to read it for you. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock or Petros. And upon this rock, I will build my church. And all the powers of hell will not conquer it. So as the church... I find great comfort knowing that I don't care what I'm faced with, we win. I don't care what opposition, and we said this last Sunday, the weapon may be formed. I might be able to see it and name it, but it shall not prosper. It won't prosper. And so don't get scared. Don't be fearful when adversity comes into your life. Just know that if you're walking with Jesus, He is with you through every storm of life, no matter the opposition. And so we said last week, uh, the church is not the building, it's the the people. And if that's true, right, then when Jesus is saying, I'm going to build my church, it's not Jesus help me take a small church, 50 people maybe, and get to 100 you doubled. Wow. It's, it's good. Hear me, but it's not limited to that. Right? And let me, these are some of the breakdowns. A church from 100, the next barrier is 200. Then from 200, you get to 500. The next barrier is this 800 number. And then 800 is, well, we got to break 1,000. When Jesus is saying, I will build my church, it's not necessarily saying this is the blueprint and just keep, you know, busting through the next target. Now, if that's the vision and blueprint that God has given a house and a a leadership team at a church, then there's absolutely nothing wrong with that either. But this morning, for the intent and purpose of this series and this message, here is really what what I want you to understand. If the church is people and Jesus is building the church, hear me, then actually he's building people. He's building people. And that's an important distinction. And if you remember the Great Commission, which, by the way, is not the Great Suggestion, it's the Great Commission, it's a command, go, go into all of the world and make disciples. Make disciples. And when I was young, if I can be honest... I didn't have a good picture or understanding of discipleship. And, and maybe some of you hear me say that word and you're like, discipleship, I don't even know what that means. 
really, it's the picture of a father and his son. And I, when I'm saying that, it's me and my son. Or my, I have two boys and a daughter. But it's the picture of, hey, Josiah, follow daddy. I'm not perfect, but I want you to, uh, what God has put on me, I want it to drip off of me and onto you. You know, we talked about the anointing a few weeks ago, and it flows from the top down. But discipleship is like mentorship, really. It's saying, watch this. Come, I'm going to go pray. I want you to come with me. I'm going to go do this visit. I want you to come with me. I want you to learn. It's doing life together. And learning and growing, asking big questions because you want to understand and you want. But discipleship for me growing up, I knew the term, but, but it was like this boring thing. I was like, eh, discipleship. But Jesus gave us this command, go into all the world and make disciples. So when Jesus is saying, I'm going to build my church. Yes, it's a living organism and it. There are complexities as to how it runs and functions and all of that. But I'm looking at its very essence and core. It is simply building people. Yeah. Building people. So if you, if you need like a subtitle for part two of the series, it's simply this, build me up. Yeah. Jesus, build me up. As, build your church, but build me up because I'm a part of the church. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5 says, And you are living stones that God is building into His spiritual temple. Everybody say living stones. Not rolling stones. Living stones. You are living stones that God is building into His spiritual temple. What's more, you are His holy priests. The verse goes on, but we're going to read it in a minute. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 to 22 says, So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. Let me stop there for a second. Acts 1.8, two weeks ago, or last week actually, we spent time there. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, God's Chosen people, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So it started with the Jewish people, but then it reached the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10 as an outflowing of this structure of how the gospel would spread. So Ephesians 2, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Listen, together, verse 20, we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through, verse 22, through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his Spirit. So, build me up, Lord, because I'm a part of the body. Build me up because I'm the spiritual temple and we are uniquely joined together to make up this beautiful body of Christ. And it's amazing when we start to understand how God designed us not to live in competition with one another, but together in harmony and in unity that when you're blessed, that blesses me. 
And when you're going through a hard time, I feel it too. That's why we pray for, for those who've lost loved ones. That's why we make space in our service to pray for those who are in the hospital who normally would want to be here. Because we feel the loss. We feel the hurt and we feel the pain. And so, Jesus, build me up because I'm a part of this amazing thing called your church. So if you have your Bible, would you open with me to 1 Peter chapter 2? And would you stand to your feet as we honor the reading of God's word? 1 Peter chapter 2. And I want to read from verse 1 to 9. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. We'll have it as well on the screen. Here's what it says. So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Yes, you who trust him, recognize the honor God has given him. But for those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word And so they meet the fate that was planned for them. Verse 9, But you are not like that. For you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For He called you out of the darkness and into His wonderful light. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for Your Word. Lord, it's already anointed to accomplish what you need it to. And Lord, now I ask as your servant who has the honor and privilege of delivering your word, that you would anoint my mind, my lips, and my heart, that I would speak your word the way you want me to communicate it to your people now. And Lord, I thank you that it never returns void. So do whatever you want to do. In our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Build me up. This is the cry of this morning's message. If you leave here and everything goes over your head, my prayer is that you would remember that the process that began at salvation is just that it's a process and I have to continually offer myself to God and say, Lord, I thank you that you've called me out of darkness into your marvelous light. But sanctification, this is something that I walk in every single day. 
And I, you've heard me say this, but just like every day, love is a choice. I choose to love my wife, and she, God willing, chooses to love me every day. Right? It's the, I choose to love you, Lord. And when I stop choosing, all you have to do to drift is nothing. And that's why every day you got to willfully get up and, and begin to thank God, begin to say, Lord, I love you. It's my choice today. I already know God's choice. He, he already chose us. I don't have to wonder. I, already, I know. And that will never change. He is for us, not against us. He, God is love. You can't separate God and love. God is love. So all I have to do to drift is nothing. You want the proof? Throw a beach ball in the ocean, and I guarantee you it will not stay exactly where you threw it. It's going to start drifting because it's just doing nothing. The same is true in our lives. But look at verse 1 in this text. Peter is writing, and he's saying, get rid of all, and I want to emphasize that, underline it if you have that phone app, you know, you could tap it and then choose a color and highlight it. Get rid of all evil behavior. And what is that behavior? It's, it's how we act, how we interact, how we go about. Because I could say whatever I want to whoever I want and convey, you know, an idea, give someone an idea, an idea of who I am, but it's the fruit of how I walk that they're going to know, wait a minute, I thought this person said they, they're a Christian, right? But they're going to observe, and the Bible says that it's by our fruit that people will know who we are. So by our love and our fruit. So what kind of fruit is your life producing? Get rid of all evil behavior. Again, listen, he's writing to a Christian audience, Get rid of all evil behavior. So this could even creep up after you've given your life to Christ. After you said, Lord, you can have it all. But then you pick some other stuff up again. I'm talking about sin. I'm talking about dirty secrets and habits and things that we don't like to be made known in public. When we get rid of all behavior, sorry, when we don't get rid of all evil behavior, here's the thing. We are no different than those who do not profess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. There should be evidence that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. There has to be evidence. And if you read through 1 Peter chapter 1 and the rest of chapter 2, he's actually calling the believers to show by your life, show by your actions, show by how you walk that you're actually saved, that you're actually different than everyone else. So again, when we don't get rid of all evil behavior, we are no different than the world. So you want to invite them to church. Maybe you want to say, hey, come to Salton Lake Conference. I, I reserved you a ticket. Come to our 60th anniversary. We're going to celebrate the faithfulness of God. Come to COG conference because we have the Joe Odin. He's a revivalist, and I want you to catch some of that fire. And then you say, what are you talking about? You and me, we're the same. I don't need what you, like, what are you inviting me to anyway? But let me say the opposite now. If they know that 
there's something that marks your life as different. And when you show up to work Monday, they're like, I don't get it. Why are you so happy? It's Monday morning. They're like, how many coffees have you had so far? Like, none, or maybe one. Like, I'm fasting coffee for seven days because we're starting prayer and fasting this week. I'm, I'm not skipping coffee, by the way, this, this time. In the new year, I do. But here's the thing. You're marked as different. And then when you begin to let them in on what that is, and then you say, so hey, you want to know, like you want to get a taste? Come. We have these things happening. Come and, come and be a part and you could get a dose for yourself. Guess what? They're going to be leaning in because they know your life has changed. They know you're different. As opposed to if they do not see anything that is different, they're going to say, but I don't understand. What are you actually inviting me to? The verse, in verse 1, it goes on to say, and be done with all deceit, all hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. And maybe you're like, well, jealousy, no one knows because it's, you know, I look, you know, maybe if they can read my eyes, they can tell I'm jealous. But, but I, I really feel the unkind speech part. And, and today, if I could just spend a second longer on this little thing, because the Bible says that in the tongue is the power of life and death. And again, we're talking about like there should be something that marks us as different. So let's just put a scenario out there. That there's a, a group of people that you know. It could be work. It could be at home in the family. It could be in the church. I don't know. And it, it's yak, 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 yak. And you have no problem jumping in. And, and let's just call it gossip for you know, unkind speech. It could, could come in many different forms. And you just let it go on. And maybe you join in. I don't think that pleases God's heart. I'm not even talking just about church. I'm saying anywhere. Slander. There's no room for that in the life of a believer. And so, and we learned this in April when we had um, Dream Team Conference about honor. That if maybe you're the person that when someone wants to gossip, you're like, I don't know. Maybe the, all these people, they love to come to me and gossip with me. Check your heart. Because maybe they feel like you're welcoming to those kinds of conversations. But I guarantee you, let's just say there's a scenario and they're talking about someone behind that person's back. I guarantee you if you say, well, hey, would you like me to tell them what you're saying or would you like to tell them yourself? How quickly that conversation will end. And that person will be like, oh, I'm not going to try to gossip with this person any longer. So maybe that's just a good lesson for us. If someone wants to come and include you in the gossip, what do we do? Say, would, I, would you like me to tell that person what you just said? Or would you like to tell them yourself? And let's put a stop to this unkind speech. You say, Pastor, are you, is there a known situation that you're actually thinking about? Absolutely not. I would much rather learn lessons before we have to go through them so that when they come, we know how to respond not react, respond. And so he says, be done with deceit. We're not here to deceive people or one another. The hypocrisy, 
jealousy and unkind speech. You may say, but pastor, that's the reason why I left my last church. But I want to just speak to that for a minute because there is no perfect church. And in fact, we all are sinful people and we need the grace of God. So I don't expect, you know, to, to never encounter jealousy or, or gossip or to never encounter hypocrisy. Well, because we're imperfect. But here's what I do want to say, that if we entertain it, then there's a problem. So we're not here to be the, the ones initiating the hypocrisy or initiating those thoughts of jealousy or the unkind speech or even the deceit. What I believe God's calling us to do is, if it's you, by the power of His Spirit, He's saying, be done with it. Be done with it. So that's where this teaching is important. You will find it in every single church, I promise you that. Even at Weston, as much as we're preaching this message, it'll show up. But we have to make sure, Jesus, build me up. Build me up that I'm not going to be the participant. Lord, help me to, if it's going to come around my table or in my circle, help me, give me wisdom and discernment to put a stop to it. You know, and we're called to speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. Not just speak truth and not just tolerate that because, oh, i got to love the people. got to love this person. No, no, I'm going to speak the truth, but how I do it is in love because I want to show you a better way. And this is what we find here in 1 Peter chapter 2. Be done with it. But we get to verse 2. Like newborn babies, he says, you know, perfect example for this morning. We had our baby dedication. You must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. I want to highlight a few words from that sentence. You must, must, you must. It's, it's not optional. You must do what? Crave not just spiritual milk, but pure spiritual milk. That means maybe there's a kind of spiritual milk that's tainted. That maybe it, there's, a, there's a lot of truth in it, but there's, it's twisted. And you know, the, Satan is the father of lies. And there are doctrines that are not in Scripture, although they sound like Scripture. But that's, that's one of the biggest tactics that the devil will use and as your pastor, I, I can't say that without then saying this. That's why you need to read the Word of God for yourself. Because let's just say you walked into, not this church, because this is where we preach from, but you don't have a Bible, you don't read your Bible, but you hear a minister of God saying something and he's standing behind a pulpit, but you don't know the Word for yourself, but he is preaching something that sounds like the truth, but he's spinning for personal gain. And, and listen, I, I'm not here to talk about different ministers and stuff and point out different people or ministries. No. Every single person will give an account to God. But hear me, what I'm actually trying to get through, as we say, build me up, it's, Lord, I need to feed on this. This is the pure spiritual milk that I should start on. Pure spiritual milk. Why? Because this is straight from God. His word to you and to me. What you hear on a Sunday, it, 
is for instruction, teaching. It's for the equipping of the saints. But if you don't know the word for yourself, you're in grave danger. I want to submit that thought to you. Not danger for your salvation, but danger in, um, number one, check. Check whatever you hear through the lens of Scripture. Verify that what Pastor John is saying is actually here and written in God's Word. And thankfully, I have my checks and balances at Weston. Number one, I have my wife. I have the pastoral team, and I have our board of deacons. And this morning, I have Pastor DiStallo, who I know has no problem saying this, this, Pastor John, but this you did well. I, and, and I'm open to that. But we need to, to know the Word of God. The pure spiritual milk. It's not just the daily bread. That's what it's called in Scripture. This is our daily bread. But it's also the pure spiritual milk Why? Why do we need this? Because it says you must crave it. So now why? That you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Somebody say full. I want to grow into a full experience of salvation. So there are two words. Grow and then full. And this morning for the purpose of this message in the time that we have. I want to land right here on grow and fully. The idea of milk, obviously we think of the baby. It's, it's, it starts on milk. But eventually, the baby gets to a point, six months-ish, depends the baby, I guess, where there's a transition that comes. And I remember applesauce, you know, we would make all our own purees and all, like, I hated washing those little reusable containers. Priscilla's like, I made the food, that's your job. So we didn't buy baby food, we made it all ourselves. And we're happy. We want to give our kids the best. So we started with milk. And then at a certain point, though, we had to start introducing solids. Now they were pureed, Right. Parents, you, you know this. So, but for those of you who are younger, maybe, or you just forgot, let me just bring you back down memory lane. You don't just throw a steak at a six-month-old baby and say, eat up, kid. This is your discipleship training. <laughs> it's milk, and we see growth. It's, okay, let's introduce some solids now. Let's get, and then eventually it's like, here's the pastas, rice, here's the chicken, here's, here's the meat. Here's the meat. I tell Josiah now, he's 10, he, he's like trying out for soccer at school, all this fun stuff. And I say, Josiah, you got to eat all of your dinner. Because if you want to have nice big muscles and you want to be able to run fast and be healthy and big and strong, you got to eat a variety of foods. You can't just eat junk food. Your, your body's going to not do well, and it'll stunt your growth. Now, here's the thing. Let's go spiritually now. We start on the milk, and, and maybe at Weston, it's growth track. It's like, this is my intro to the rest of my walk with Jesus, and you learn about yourself. Yes, you'll learn about our church. You'll learn... Um, about how created you for purpose according to his will and plan for your life. 
And you'll discover those things. But here's the thing. It's up to you if you want to stay on milk or if you're going to make the transition to grow. And that's why when I read this verse, verse 2, it says, You must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. It, it gives me the understanding that not everyone reaches the fullness of the experience of their salvation in Jesus Christ. That some of us, we're just happy on the milk and we stay on the milk for far too long. And we have people who've been in church for 10 plus years who are still crawling like babies on the floor for the spiritual analogy to make sense. And you're drinking the milk. And I just hear the, the voice of the Lord today saying, come on, come on, you need to move on to the solids. Come on, you, you need to hunger and thirst for more. Your appetite should not still be the size of, a, of an infant in the faith. That there should be a deeper desire. When you hear things like Salt and Light Conference and CAOG Conference, it's not to host an event. We're hosting the presence of God. That we would say, come Holy Spirit, fall afresh on me. Build me up. Build me up. Jesus said, I'm building my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He's, he's wanting to build you up and he wants to move you from milk to meat. And so Hebrews chapter 5, here's what it says in verse 11. There is much more we'd like to say about this, but it is difficult to explain especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. So the author in the book of Hebrews is writing this to Jewish converts who turn to Christ, turn to the gospel. And he's, he's saying, the, the author, I should say, is saying to his audience, there's so much more I want to explain, but you're spiritually dull and you don't understand. Pastor David said it earlier. He said, there's a generation that is biblically illiterate. That means they have no clue about the Bible. No clue. It's like a foreign book that they've never read or understood for themselves. And this is what the author is saying to those he's trying to minister to. Verse 12, you've been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Listen. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's Word. He's saying, you should have been well on your way, but you're still stuck here. That's what I was saying. Like babies crawling on the floor. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. Verse 13. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. You know, I don't remember where I got this image from or this picture that I want to share with you, but it doesn't matter. It makes sense for this moment. So if you've ever been to a buffet, I know maybe some of us, it's been a while. But could you imagine there's a... a, a a man and a woman, his wife, with their kids, a family, a whole bunch of other people. And they open up the buffet, so everyone's walking in. And 
Could you imagine the father just pushing his kids out of the way and just kind of because he's grabbing the food and wants to make his plate? He's famished, he's starving, and so he doesn't care. He's just pushing people and his own kids even out of the way to get to the food. This is sometimes the selfishness, selfishness that we can have in the house of the Lord. Where we've been in church 5, 10, 15, and 20 years, and all you care about is getting your fill. But I want you to hear this for a minute. As a father, I mean, sometimes my stomach's louder than the cry of my kids for food. But as a father, I know how to get my own food. My children, they need help making their plate. Even my youngest, who's five, and I'm like, he's like, feed me, feed me. And I'm like, are you serious? You're five years old. Feed me. So we're like, because we've been sitting there for 45 minutes at home, I'm like, just sit down, hurry up. He'll usually go to my wife because she's a little more tender and loving in that way and, and understanding perhaps. But my kids don't know how to make their own plate and get the right food that they're supposed to eat. And then when they're younger, of course, we feed the kids first, not the adults. And I just feel God has been speaking to me And I'm still fleshing it out, if I'm honest. But, but I want to share it. And then I'll let it land in our hearts where it needs to. That sometimes we can be very selfish coming to church. Because, yes, the title of this message is, Build Me Up, so you got to eat. But hear me, the kids got to eat first. Because I know how to get my food. He's saying, you've been in church 10 years, Hebrews 5. You've been in church 10 years, and you're still drinking the milk. Why do I have to keep feeding you? You should be able to feed others now. It's a call to discipleship and a call to grow up, buttercup. Let's, let's go. How long are you going to be an infant in the faith? And it's amazing because I'll tell you, there are people who've been in our church for two years who are more mature than maybe some who've been here their whole lives. And, and I'm not thinking, I don't have a picture of someone's face as I'm saying that. I'm just saying that's the nature of, of, of what Hebrews 5 is telling us. And it's, if it was true then, I know it's still true today. And we have to move beyond what we've been comfortable with. You know, to go from milk to solids... The stomach has to stretch. The capacity begins to change, but it only begins to change when you begin to eat more or eat differently as well. And so for some of us, we've been in church so long, and right now that it's 12.06 on your clock, you're like, I gotta go. I'm hungry. I gotta feed me. When in reality, we got to stretch ourselves a little bit and say, Okay, God, maybe this is outside of my comfort zone. Maybe this is outside of what I'd prefer in terms of a time for what I got to do next. But God, you're stretching me and you're growing me beyond where I've been before. And I, I got to move. 
I got to move. I got to grow. That you would grow fully in your experience of salvation. Could you imagine that God had a whole buffet prepared for you, but all you stayed on was the milk? All you stayed on was the milk. And he's saying, come on. Come on, would you just give it a little more time? Would you just be willing to be stretched a little more? And so think of the buffet. Think of the buffet. Yes, we come to be empowered and equipped for the work of ministry, Ephesians chapter 4. But hear me, because I'll get this. Hey, pastor, we need a little bit more meat. Or I need, give me the Greek, give me the Hebrew. Some, and, and I can. And sometimes we get into that. But hear me, if you want that, start doing your Bible study. Crack your Bible. Get, you know, uh, you can do the research. You can, you can, so when you say build me up. Jesus, build me up. He might say, amazing, I'm finally glad you're on board. Spend the $50, buy the right study books, get into the Greek for the New Testament, the Hebrew for the Old Testament, and start growing. I had some of our young adults a few years ago ask me, Pastor John, can you teach me how you do a word study? How, t tell me, I want to understand, like, what are these numbers and little words next to these words in my Bible? What does the cross-reference cross mean? And I said, I'm going to, let, like, let's, let's, let's do this. Let's walk through this. And we grow. But in saying that, I'm not saying we water down the gospel. Yeah. My wife is in agreement. No one else cares. <laughs> we don't water down the gospel or the message. There is time for Bible study. There is time. And we have connect groups that are going to be launching soon in October. We'll, we'll let you know. Some will be sermon-based Bible studies. So if you want to go deeper beyond the Sunday message, and then you say, Pastor, we need, we need it. I'll say, are you in the connect group? Because there's opportunity. Oh, but no, no, no. There's ample room. You know how to find food in your kitchen. You know how to find food in God's Word. We do make opportunity for that. So on a Sunday, you know, I, there's a broad range of people here. Some are still on milk. And so what I say might be above their head. And I know some of you are, are beyond and you're on the meat. And that's okay. So as an adult, again, I know, how to, I know how to find the food. I know how to make sure I eat and I get my nourishment. And in so doing, I continue to grow. Amen? Now my kids, they need the help. And so I want to really lean into Hebrews chapter 5 where he says, Some of you have been here a long time and you're still on the milk when you should be the ones teaching the others. And I want to put it out there for you. If you've been at Weston and... That's, that's where your testimony ends. I, I want to challenge you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Ask the Lord, how can I continually grow? And what you're doing in me, then I want to help others grow. Saved people, save people. You know that hurt people, hurt people? Saved people, save people. Discipled people, disciple people. And I can't disciple 200 plus people. I can't do it on my own strength even with the help of Pastor Miguel and the other pastors on staff. 
It's the work that we all have. Jesus wasn't saying to the, only the pastors, no, you guys make disciples. Go, make disciples of everyone. And here are just some areas as we wrap up this morning that I want to encourage you. Think about, pray, search God's heart on this. And you might say, from milk to meat, God, what areas in my life spiritually are you actually wanting me to grow in? And for some of you, it might be serving. It, it might be that all you do is you come to get poured into and, and then you leave because you've received your fill. And I believe God wants to stretch that capacity in you to then allow you to begin to make a difference in the lives of other people. It might be in your serving. For some of you, it might be in your giving. You know, 10%, when we say the tithe, it means 10%. That's not the goal for my whole life. That's the baseline, the entry level in my giving. So the more that I walk with Christ, then the deeper I go even in my giving. And, and giving could be financially, oftentimes it is, but it can be in many different ways as well. In my time, in my resource. But the, one of the main resources God does put in our hands is money. And so if, if all you've done is the bare minimum... Maybe, just maybe, the Holy Spirit might lead you in this season, as we're going through this series even, build your church. We're saying, build me up. He's saying, hey, hey, I need you to step up. Maybe you got the promotion at work, but you never increased in your tithe. It's just automated, and I haven't looked at it in a year, and it's awesome. Is it really? Is it really? So let's, let's bring that before the Lord as well. In our serving, in our giving, even today, we embark prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. By the way, from Monday to Friday at 12 p.m. noon, we're going to be going live on Instagram. And I want to encourage you, if you're able to follow along, if you're busy at that time, then you could just see it later. It'll be posted on our, on our Instagram page Um, and we're going to just spend some time praying over Salt and Light Conference, praying and getting our hearts ready for CAOG Conference. Uh, as well, though, as we're in this series, there might be some things that, as a church, God's going to highlight, and we're going to pray about these things. Something personal that you might be going through or believing God for, well, then you fast and pray for those things. And here's the thing, from milk to meat, maybe you're fasting and, and your time of prayer has looked meager before the Lord. Not before man, before the Lord. And maybe in these next seven days you say, Lord, I'm feeling challenged, not by the pastor, but by the Holy Spirit, to move myself a little beyond what's maybe even comfortable. Because you could tell yourself all kinds of excuses and lies. Oh, if I don't have this, there's no way I can make it till 6 p.m. If I don't do that, oh, there's no way I could function. You'd be surprised when you begin to rely more on God than on the coffee or the sweets or the snacks and the pick-me-ups. How much he's there with you. And he's dependable like that. So maybe it's in the area of prayer and fasting. From five minutes, you're saying, okay, God, I'm going to actually carve out my whole half-hour lunchtime. I'm not going to eat during lunch, but I'm going to pray. And I'm going to believe you for this. Write it out. And you watch God show up in a mighty way. In your prayer and in your fasting. Maybe it's in your studying of the scriptures where it's not made sense to you. And you read like three verses and you're just like, eh, next time. 
No, stay in God's word and say, Holy Spirit, would you begin to bring more revelation and understanding? Guess what? He will. He will. But you got to spend time and allow yourself to be stretched from milk to meat. And then lastly, maybe it's in your faithfulness and obedience. Maybe you've started a lot of things with good intention, but now you have a reputation of backing out when life gets busy or too hard, and you're like, I know I said yes, but actually I can't. Or you just overcommit, and you can't follow through. And, but faithfulness is an area that is very important. And then our obedience. Because if God tells us to do something, I don't want to stop halfway. If I'm going to start it, with God's help, independence on Him, I want to make it all the way through in obedience to what He's asked. And so I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet this morning as we get ready to close. Actually, worship team, would you just come back real quick? Come, run if you have to. And I want us to end this service by singing that song, Here I am, here I am, you can have it all. You can have it all. The title of the song is Available. And from, in order to move from milk to meat, really you have to say, God, I'm available to you. God, here I am. You can have it all, but I'm available. And so as soon as the team's ready, they're going to lead us in that. But I want you to go into this coming week prayerfully, saying, Lord, from milk to meat, what are the areas? Show me them. Even if you get a blank page in front of you and you just begin to pray and listen, the Holy Spirit will begin to speak. Yeah. Again, get in, get in the quiet space. Find the, your prayer, prayer closet and say, God, speak to me. Show me the area that you want to stretch me in and grow me in. He will do it, church. He will do it. And so we're going to sing this song available. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to open these altars for prayer. Because some of you, the act of getting out of your seat and coming to the altar is your response of saying, God, I'm moving now from milk to meat, a place of comfort in my pew to a place where you're going to stretch me beyond what I've ever known to be normal in my life. And it's in the stretching that your capacity begins to grow and your hunger begins to grow for the things of the Lord. And so they're going to sing, but don't wait. As the, the, as the team begins to sing this song, you come up. Um, and here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to close our service right now because I know some of you, maybe you need to get to work. You have things that are waiting. I don't want to keep you here if you're itching to leave. So I'll honor you that way, but I'll ask you to honor what God's about to do here and say, if you got to go, then do it quietly and reverently and don't do it, you know, chatting to your neighbor and hanging around. We dismiss you if you need to go, but this is a holy moment. This is a moment where people are saying, okay, God, I've heard the word and I'm going to let you stretch me beyond what's comfortable in my pew. 
And as a sign that I'm saying yes, I'm going to come to this altar. And as you would come, we're going to just lay our hands. We're going to pray and we're just going to say, thank you, Lord, for the yes here. Thank you, Lord, for the yes here. That your yes coming to this altar is saying, build me up. Build me up, Lord. I want the full experience of my salvation. The full thing. Withholding nothing. In Jesus' name. So, Father, as we dedicate this time to you, I thank you that this is a holy moment. Bless those who are going, going to work, going on to the rest of what is waiting in this weekend. And, Father, as they come to this altar, Father, I thank you. There's no telling what you're going to do with our yes. So we say yes and amen, God. Yes and amen in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life and we want to hear it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westonroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.